Hey everybody, welcome to the Climbing Sycamores podcast, uh, where we look at today's topics to get a better view of Christianity. I'm Annie Beagie, and I'm joined by my friends Ben Sadler and Matt Harbach. All right, here we go. Welcome, everyone. Dry January rolls on. <laughs> How's the update? How you feeling? Great. I feel fine. Yeah. I get a little, I, I went out on uh, Saturday to see some music and I was irritated with everybody because <laughs> I didn't have a cocktail in me. So. Because you were fully aware of what was going on around you. Yeah, and it was irritating <laughs> on that's, many levels. That's how I feel in every social circumstance. I know, maybe you ought to drink a beer. I'm hyper aware of everything and I just think to myself, I have no reason, I'm not doing anything. I can't talk to anybody because it's too loud. I'm just here being fed all this sensory information and I can't make sense of it and it's it's aggravating. I can make sense of it. I just don't like what's being what's happening. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So That's funny. And I anyway. think to myself, I want to be elsewhere. Yeah. Well, so, I had good company, so Do you see yourself going beyond January or or February 1st you're ready to crack open a beer? I think I just don't like not having the freedom to sure. do it when I sure. want to. Okay. You know, like so if I feel like I would like to go out or yeah. whatever, I don't I don't like being I don't like being bound by things, anything really. So that's just I've noticed yeah. that. Yeah. Sounds good. <laughs> <laughs> Sound right? <laughs> Is that consistent? Yeah, with consistent. My, with we're, we're putting together the anti profile. That's good. <laughs> Angry. Doesn't no. like restrictions. And we love you. All Thank those you. things. Thank you. No, I appreciate it. And Matt, how are you doing with your I'm fine. Okay. Same. So I haven't even not energy drinks. I haven't even had caffeine. To my oh, I've eaten some chocolate, but no, well, that doesn't count. Do you notice any headaches? Any nope. nothing? You no, I I just like every so often I'm tired and I think to myself, boy, I could go for some caffeine. Yeah. But then I remember I'm a man of my word. I mean, you can have coffee. We just said no energy drinks. I know. See, at this point, I'm just gonna just go Mountain for Dew. It. Now, uh, for you, February first, do you have a monster? It's oh, a good question. Depends on what day of the week it is. I think it's like a Tuesday. So, but you're, are you like are you like itching for? No, okay. we could have vodka Red Bulls. <laughs> <laughs> like, look at that! I mean, we could kill Put two birds. Together. Look at that celebratory. Um, yeah, okay, I would do that. Yeah, doesn't that be a happy, vodka Red Bull? Oh, it just sounds disgusting. Yeah. Matt, I'm gonna hold you to that. <laughs> we'll do it. Except right. not not Red Bull. Something because vodka is like one of the strongest liquors. We got to go with one of the strongest energy drinks. Red okay, Bull is you'll nothing. have to enlighten me. Isn't yeah. that confusing to your body? Like a downer yeah. and oh, an yeah. upper. Yeah, all no, at it's once? not good for you. Yeah, at okay, all. all right. Just but making sure. I kind of want to see how I feel about okay. it. <laughs> okay, I'm gonna hold you to it's it. It's like it's that thing. It's called a four loco. They used to have. <laughs> oh, that's bad. It was like oh. caffeine and tequila or something. Oh, that doesn't. Sound no, right it's a malt beverage, but it. Oh. Don't ask me how I know. Okay. <laughs> anyway, <Yeah>. so <laughs> what's um, on your mind, Annie? Yeah. So today I want to talk about Tony Dungy. Mm-hmm. He was an NFL head coach for the Colts and the Buccaneers. Um, he was also the first black co- head coach to win a Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. So that's a little fun fact. Um, so currently he is a commentator for NBC, a sports commentator of football, I think primarily. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has been, you know, posting things recently on his Twitter. How about, dare he? I, well, and that's kind of what I'm getting at is he mentioned that he and his wife were going uh, to the March for Life walk. Um, let me see exactly what he, he did but so he's and he's been making he's made posts about he responded to one uh he kind of made a controversial tweet about um the whole thing we've talked about this putting uh litter boxes in bathrooms Mm -hmm. uh, because people are identifying as cats and he was kind of being sarcastic about it but then he he deleted it and made a public apology and and he you know even mentioned like you know i'm a christian and i i i should be promoting love and Mm -hmm. and um, peace and not, you know, inciting things. So he kind of, and then people said he was insincere. His apology wasn't good Mm -hmm. enough. And so it's kind of, it turned into all that. Um, but so I guess my question, well, so then Keith Olbermann, what's his name? Keith, uh, hang on, let me pull it up. He's he's a pretty liberal. He was also a commentator. Mm -hmm. He used to be a sports center. Yeah, Mm -hmm. I think so. But he called for Tony Dungy to be fired from the NFL or by the NFL um, 
because he said that Tony Dungy is using the NFL, Mm -hmm. presumably as a platform to promote his quote unquote agenda, when all he said was that he was going to the March for Life to support unborn children. Mm -hmm. Um, He and his wife have 11 kids. They have fostered over 100 kids. Oh my goodness. Um, He co-founded the All Pro Dad uh, organization which helps men become better fathers and so I feel like this is a person who is like actually like walking the walk he's superhuman yeah wow. right exactly so he's doing all this stuff and he definitely should get him fired <laughs> well like I know that's what I'm saying guy. like it's just so absurd to me and so I guess my question is we see Tony Dungy we see what he's doing we see what he's done um and he's talking about the things that he that he does and the things that he supports at what point, you know, if you're hired by an organization like the NFL or Google or something like that, where do you draw the line between like your identity? Because mm-hmm. it's not like he's ever spoken about any of these things while he's working. Sure. So does that somehow, you know, his beliefs, do his beliefs somehow prevent him from doing his job? Mm-hmm. And how much should an employer really have to say about what you're posting about your beliefs? Especially in this capacity. I mean, obviously, if you're bad-mouthing the organization or the company or you work for an organization that is, you know, staunchly one, you know, on one-sided and then you're posting about you know, things contrary to what they stand for or believe, then I guess I could kind of see that that would be a problem. But this just doesn't seem like a problem. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, I think there's a lot of things uh, there. Another commentator, Dan Orlovsky, he's a... He's usually does football. I think he used to play football and he's on Sports Center. And oh, yeah, he 12 years NFL quarterback. Um, and he says, follower of Jesus on his Twitter page. Mm-hmm. And then when the DeMar Hamlin thing happened, he prayed on ESPN mm-hmm. on, on, on camera. Um, I think the real issue we have right now is we have lost our ability to have tolerance. Like, in in the highest sense of like, I accept you as a person, even if I don't agree with you. Like, there's no room to have your own personal beliefs. And then also, I think um, because of our social media platforms, you know, who you are, you're a brand. Everyone is a brand almost. Their their whole life is a brand. And so uh, your personal brand now has to match up with the organizational brand. Right. And if not, then you just need to have your own personal brand outside of outside of any kind of organization. Because organizations are so there used to be kind of core values of an organization like hard work and show up on time, but now it's kind of like these core values of organizations have different causes they, they follow, mm-hmm. uh, whether that's gender uh, rights or 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 other kind of things or you know uh abortion rights if you call them that or um so i think that's the real challenge is organizations have become have so many now agendas and the part of the brand is if you follow some of these agendas and our everyone's got a personal brand now Mm -hmm. just by Mm -hmm. having a twitter account you you'll have one so uh it's too bad because if even if you're not a Christian, I mean Tony Dungy, I feel like just does such a good he's job. He's a nice guy. He's a like, nice guy, and all the things that he's done uh, that have been so positive, fostering kids, and he's been through really hard things, lost a, a son, and um, and you know, so he's just done so many really positive, wonderful things that, yeah, if you don't agree with his Christianity, uh, wh- why can't he still? To do his job. It's not inhibiting his job. We just have lost that capacity anymore. And that used to be a Christian, that that was part of kind of our Judeo-Christian culture was tolerance or acceptance. Like I accept you as a human being because humans intrinsically have value and we have room to disagree on belief systems. Now, either you're all in and you have to latch, uh, match up with all my values as an organization. You have to believe all the same things as the CEO or the board, or you're out. And that's just too bad. Well, the NFL, I think, you know, had, I mean, I, I think there's probably a lot of Christianity, like, sure. you know, in the NFL, you know, when we see people like Dan, what's his face you mentioned? Yeah, Orlowski. Yep. And, and, you know, just we see 
players praying and, and, you know, when things happen and whatnot. So I, I don't feel like, you know, it's, it's so foreign that it's coming out of nowhere. But he works for NBC, right? He's a commentator on NBC. Yeah. So I don't know why this guy was saying that the NFL should do something about it. But then, but NBC has all of their, and, and classically politically liberal values that they support. And then the same thing with NFL, I think are pushing more uh, liberal values in, in, in politically also. So uh, that's what I mean. It's not just about football anymore. Like, hey, we all, that's what I, that's what's too bad because sports used to be, we all love this game. Mm-hmm. That's what we are united on. We love this game. But now people are being forced to maybe change their own personal values to watch sports because, and then every purchase you make, you know, like, I just like Pepsi, but then, pe- or whatever. I don't even yeah, know yeah, what, yeah. you know, all these organizations now have this whole set of values set up and it's not just about the product anymore. Now it's great when organizations are trying to have a higher cause and uh, do something uh, to make the world a better place. It's just hard if you don't agree with their view of what the world would look like as a better place. Yeah. So I, 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 it's too bad that I don't know if he felt forced to apologize. I think he just didn't want to, you know, he was trying to make a joke or a, a comment and, um, yeah, and I'm yeah. not saying I don't agree with what he said. Yeah. I just, you know, I think he probably he did receive backlash and then, you know, maybe rethought it and thought is this a productive comment and it right. and it was not a productive comment, even Sure. <laughs> so give room for or then let him let him move and then move on. Why do we have to cancel people right oh, away? I know. I know. I mean, yeah. He's had he's done so many so much good and he's not that's that comment is not going to it, it doesn't have to tarnish his career uh you know i but yeah that's just too bad just i think that yeah. that that's creating a lot of anxiety for so many young people and, and and just people in general like what did i say on twitter 10 years ago that's someday going to bite me because there's just no room for somebody to miss you know to to say something that and the values change so quickly. What what is a value today is totally different than something that was appropriate five years ago. So somehow I'm supposed to know that what I've said today is going to offend somebody in five years. So yeah, I just man, that, that can be. Do do you think you're you're our young representative here, Matt? Do you feel like are are people the younger generation more aware that what they say online could potentially hurt their career or organize, you know, organizations are, are taking a look at what they're saying on their social media sites. Are they aware of that? Yeah. Do they care? Um, no, I don't think so. I mean, I think they just post as much as they want to like that's Snapchat and that's TikTok. Yeah. I mean, I saw some girls in high school the other day, just in the hallway, just recording a TikTok between classes or whatever. <laughs> I mean, I love it. <laughs> You, that's what you do. It just you, you, you do it because your friends you think it's fun. You do it because you see other people that you're following having a good time. I, I think there's an absolutely zero forethought into ten years in the future. Am I going to want people seeing prepubescent me doing a stupid dance? To an and honestly, how bad how bad is that? I mean, right. in in present, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're going to outlaw dancing ten years from now, and then you're going to be in trouble. <laughs> but I, you know what I mean? Like who? I mean, there's some content that is neutral. That doesn't, you, yeah. you would think so. Yeah, I hope so. Yeah. Hope, hopefully it's still neutral yeah. someday. But I guess the, yeah, not only, not only could it get you fired, like maybe, you know, if they, they do take out Tony Junji, which I don't think it's going to go that far, I don't think but so it's either. going to, it could keep you from your job. Just, rem, you know, your reputation is a really big thing. It's just too bad that the, <clears throat> the values that seem to be praised right now in many corporations don't line up with Christian values at all. Um, and so just to be a public Christian could mean you're limited on, you know, job choices. Um, and that it could, expressing your views, and you don't have to be belligerent, but just even saying something honestly in some kind of public forum yeah, might keep you from some opportunities and you have to be okay with that, I guess, trusting that this is not a new issue. This has been, it's been someone that's gone for 2000 years, but it's too bad. I mean, the guy, 
I just, I, yeah, I love whatever he's written uh, and, and just what he stands for and wanting to build up strong families and, yeah, protect life. And, and I, you know, I think he's another guy, too, that's able to work with people who have different values than he does, mm-hmm. and he's not you know, pushing his values on anybody. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just wish we could find a way to regain that value that I don't have to agree with everything you say and we can still be in the same room and we can even still work for the same organization. Right. Yeah. Right. So I don't know. Tony Dungy, if you're listening, we support <laughs> he you. He probably is. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what you got, Ben? Yeah, I, I last week we talked hot off the press. You know, we broke chat GPT, didn't we? We basically we broke that story. And then after that, yeah. NBC picked it up. Yeah, they were talking about art that very night that we recorded the right. podcast. They were uh, talking about art. And then there's a bunch of other podcasts that picked it up. So Look I think at we're, us. I think we're tr- setting some trends. Just ahead of the curve. Yeah, that's Tony good. Tony Dungy and all this. You know, <laughs> like, man, we got something. Uh, so bringing up the reality of, of, of AI and, man, it's getting so good. I've been using it just for idea creation um, or... Or just researching, it, it's a little easier than trying to search Google on different things. You know, I'm writing a sermon. I'm, how many words, I asked ChatGPT, how many words uh, did the Apostle Paul write in the Bible? And it spit back 36,000 words. Uh, and just Is it accurate? Those, yeah. And then, you know, how many are in the Bible? 900,000. So I think it's just a quicker way to kind of research things or uh, generate ideas. Or, or So anyways, as the AI gets more and more useful and and you know it's going to take some jobs uh just like you don't have as many people um checking out your groceries anymore we have self-checkout you know some of this technology is going to take away jobs and and so what is the things that make us human what what makes us unique what and i started researching some of that and they talked about adaptability creativity emotional intelligence the ability to socialize and listen and I think a big part of that, um, what makes us human and, and emotional intelligence is vulnerability, appropriately vulnerable. Um, if somebody is completely, you know, reading their own press, arrogant, uh, they, don't, they, they don't say anything uh, of what's really going on in their life, but they always kind of portray that they have it together. You know, those kinds of people, you don't want to connect with them. There's nothing to connect to. Uh, it's kind of, um, it's repulsive sometimes but then there's the other extreme where somebody is too vulnerable and it's not appropriate and i thought the apostle paul really was appropriately vulnerable in the scriptures i think that's one of the reasons why so many why he's had such a huge influence on uh on the world really Uh, he only wrote like i said thirty-six thousand words and he had a, he spoke them to somebody, and the, he had a he had a scribe write them down for him. So you could read all of Paul's writings in one sitting easily. It's only a few pages. Uh, you know, most books are two hundred thousand words, and but he was a he would talk about who he was. That he used to be a murderer, and he used to be a persecutor of Christians. He basically was, in many ways, like a, a terrorist against Christians because he believed that that God is against Christianity. He thought Christianity was ruining the true religion, and so he thought he had a divine mandate to kill Christians and get rid of them and round them up. And then he heard the gospel, and everything changed. And so he talked about that. And so what I want to talk about is, is how important it is for us to be appropriately vulnerable. And the way I've heard it said, and I think it's important, is Share your scars, but don't share your wounds. So if, so if I'm cut and I'm showing you how, I'm asking you to help me. I'm asking you to do something to... to it's to, fresh, yeah. Yeah, it's fresh. Like you, you come and heal my wound for me. And there's a place for that. It, friendships, your therapist, your pastor, to share uh, what, what's really hurting so you can get help and, and heal. But if you really want to have influence on people, if you really want to um, help people and grow relationships and and uh, really further the kingdom, share 
the things that have gone wrong or you've done wrong, but you've also healed from and you found hope in. And so that would be sharing scars, something that's already healed. You're not asking someone to fix you. You're asking someone to learn from what you've learned. And so I don't know. What do you, what do you guys think? Uh, do you think that, have you seen some of those extremes where somebody is so standoffish, they, have not, they don't want to share any, anything, no vulnerability? Have you seen the power of vulnerability? Brene Brown talks about that a lot. That's what, kind of what made her famous. Have you seen people of inappropriately vulnerable? And so what do you think about all those things? If I had a dime <laughs> for every person who came to me with some type of something, <laughs> honestly, I would be a very, very wealthy woman. Yeah. <laughs> do me, you like helping people through that? Or is it, or is it, um, is it inappropriate th- some of the times where they're bringing that up to you? Or are they trying to confide in you as a friend? Or are they... Um, just looking I for think, sympathy. I think a little bit of everything, and okay. it depends. It depends on the time, or, or in other words, it depends on the person. Um, you know, then then there's people who uh, have a reoccurring problem. Yeah. That, you know, you might offer support and maybe right. options for solutions. Right. Um, and then they don't listen, right. or they don't. Yeah. You know, and then the same problem keeps happening right and i've had to be like yo we, we've been through this already like i'm done now that's good you know because why like we can't just keep going over the same thing over and over again and you're not doing any so that tells me you either you don't want help or you know like you just want to i don't complain. know complain complain yeah. you just want to complain just want to complain and yeah so they keep coming to you with the same issues and then the, i think you're right hey we've already been through this feel the consequences of what, what you're doing. What have you done now about yeah. it? Yeah, right. right. Um, what do you think about that idea that, you know, sharing your success might, you know, might, might separate you, you know, not really actually be attractive. Like, think about Tom Brady. Like, who can connect with Tom Brady? I can't connect with that. You know, like, okay, you've won everything. You, uh, yeah, there, but there now doesn't... he's, you know, now right. because right. of his very public divorce to his super hot wife. Yeah. Like... You know, that, that makes him a little more relatable, right? Right. But is he willing to talk about that and what he's learning from it and how he, how he wants to change or work I, on things? I think that's that's the part where I guess that's what I appreciate when people have changed or learned how to change and want to help other people go through uh, that similar transformation and they speak from a place of humility. And I think that shows emotional intelligence that which i think is going to be one of the most yeah uh powerful things that humans can do that ai will not be able to do in the future but i i yeah i I don't think people know how to do that so what do you think matt Hmm. i don't know i i feel like you can kind of tell like the time and the place for that sort of thing Mm -hmm. and I, I I don't know. I've I you know, I think it's it's kind of hard cuz to make a friend, you have to open up in some ways. Yep. But you don't want to open up too much if the person isn't your friend. Sure. It's kind of a catch 22. Yeah. So it's I mean, at some point someone's going to kind of take the risk and then talk about some things that are a little more personal and hope the other person doesn't just shut them down. Yeah, I think being honest about your flaws, I think when it's a codependent relationship, is kind of when you're asking somebody else to do the work for you, that's what can be really hard is that, hey, these are the things that I'm working on and and that creates, yeah, camaraderie, uh, yeah, connection. But if you're asking them to do the work for you, that's when it can be really, yeah, it's not somebody you yeah. want to connect with. Or just people that like to just complain or to like just hash out the same problems all the time. And then, you know, if you catch yourself wanting to make them feel better, which is very dangerous, then you listen and then you say like, oh, yeah, I'm sorry. And you try to like sympathize with them. But then that just that just keeps happening. And, you know, and at a certain point, you just got to be like, you know, when is this going to get better? Correct. Like, I'm not here to help you. I can't fix it for you. You have to fix it. But, like, you're not making it better, and you just keep complaining, and you act like it's such a big problem. Yeah. So, you know, 
Yeah, I mean, I lost a best friend over that. Mm. We have matching tattoos. Mm. We were like, we were like thick as thieves, you know, and mm. um, she was with a guy and um, there was, you know, this was probably, you know, I don't know, a long time ago, but she, you know, the, the guy was abusive and mm. she kept having these problems and problem after problem. And, you know, we'd talk through it and, you know, I, I thought she would, she'd gotten to a point of being strong enough to get out yeah. and, um, but eventually like, I just, I had to say, yeah, I can't do anything for you. Right. I'm obviously not helpful to you. Like right. I, I'm not doing anything for you. Yeah. Um, and so I haven't spoken to her in a really, really long time. That's really hard. That's really hard. So. Yeah. I think, yeah, this is kind of going a little different. I think that's really. It's an a boundaries, kind of a boundary. It's a boundary. Yeah. I think that's a really important. That's, there's one thing about if you're a person who wants to help others, I think that one of the best ways to help others, if you're trying to tell a message is like what Paul said in for, to, when he's writing to Timothy, he said, here's a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the worst. And, but for this reason, I was shown mercy. So in me, the worst of sinners, he might show his unlimited patience. And so Paul's saying, you know, like, hey, if God can save me, he can save anybody. And and I think that, you know, draws people in. It, it says, okay, now I can follow you. You're not some super apostle, some super Christian. You're just somebody like me, but you've made it through and I want to follow you. You know, some of the things that you guys are talking about too are, all right, if if somebody wants to be a friend, uh, codependent friendships never work. Right. It's, it's almost like the venting, you know, coming from the one side yeah. is enough to kind of strengthen the person to get through the next, like, yeah. you know, hurdle until it happens again. And then they come back and they vent about it and they don't actually yeah. fix it. You know what I mean? It's right. like it just it gives them enough strength to like vent just right. to get through that next, you know, obstacle or whatever. And then it, the cycle just keeps happening again. Yeah, it's really sad. But but I, I do agree with you. I think that this is probably the one. Um, you know, human experience and vulnerability will be one thing that AI can't do. Correct. Yeah. So building those relationships with people. Um, and that creates trust. You know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody shared something personal. I trust you. I realize I don't have to be perfect around you. We both can work hard at something. Uh, and and uh, yeah, there's that connection. Those are all just really positive, emotionally intelligent kind of things to to be able to do and I, I wonder if if we have those skills in our in our culture anymore and I think the apostle Paul struck that balance he 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 would really not boast he was really against boasting he talked to me he's like I could tell you stuff I, I he says I, I've had a vision of heaven I could boast about that but I'm not going to <laughs> uh, because I want to boast of my weaknesses because when I'm when I've been weak you can learn from that and and I can show the strength of Christ so I'm thinking about that because I was on a conference call or, or watching, a, participating in a conference call, and this guy was getting coaching, and all he was talking about was how great he was. I'm like, how is anyone going to help you? How can any of us learn from that? We don't learn from other people's success. We learn, we learn from their their challenges and their even their failures. And I don't know, success is just not that great of a teacher. Uh, well, and it causes, I think it causes people maybe if they're boasting a lot even if they don't mean to be right it just really yeah it makes them just doesn't look good no you know i don't really want to have anything to do with that right um even if the intention isn't to puff themselves up or to make them appear better than they are like i just it's off-putting it is you know and i think one of the reasons that it's off-putting is because deep down we all know that if somebody has just knocked it out of the park so much of that is because of God's grace. Like, yeah, God made you seven feet tall. God gave you so, and and great, you've worked hard. Um, congratulations. Uh, but so much of the things that are successes in our life are a mixture of yeah, hard work, but also incredible gifts, gifts. and opportunities that God has given us. And so, be thankful, not arrogant. It kind of right? reminds me of one of my favorite quotes. I've maybe mentioned this on the podcast before, but. Uh, be care- it's like be careful about people who are always bragging about who they are because a lion will never have to tell you it's a lion. That's good. You know, that's, that's right. I, I love that quote. Right. Um, exactly. 
Act like you've been there before. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Well, that's all on that. Thank you. I thought that just something. If you're going to share something on social media, if you're trying to, um, thinking about future employers looking at what you're you're posting on uh, on social media, I think Paul is a good example. Share your scars, what you've learned, but be careful about sharing your wounds. Talk to your therapist. Talk to your pastor about the wounds. Talk to a good friend. Well, but maybe be, paref- be careful about looking to the world to solve your wounds. People might not have those. They feel that their only option is to go to social media and right. or to go to a stranger right. or whatever, you know, an acquaintance and, and kind of unload. Right. Um, because they don't have that good friend or that pastor right. or that, that counselor to help them through. Right. So I think you're right. Get one of those things. Yes. And, and unload on them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's true. I mean, that's what they're there for. And and then take the steps that, you know, if you're really asking for help, then take the help and, and make those changes. But that's not going to help you in your relationships, in, in your career, in your life to expect the world to solve your problems. I feel yeah. like it just carves a, like a groove in your brain. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh, I have a problem. Here's not an actual solution, but mm-hmm. just sort of a, a band dusting it under the rug. Yeah, yeah that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And it just becomes easier to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Blech. Yeah. Blech. And, and I think we want, I want, we all, we, we, we all need sometimes tough love. I mean, the best therapists that I've worked with or the best friends I've had are the ones who listen really well, but they don't let you ruminate. They don't let you dr- bring up the past all over again. They say, okay, that's really hard. Now we're going to do about it. You know, like that was the best because they, that's the only way forward. The only way forward is to go forward. You can't, you can't solve your past. You can only learn from it and live in the future, live in the present, live in the future. You can't live in the past. It sounds cliche, but it's really true. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think uh, when I was 13, in the throes of adolescence. Ah, that's so a what tough was that age. like three years ago? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Are you ma'am. shaving yet? <laughs> <laughs> I'm still learning. Um, I remember. I think so. Seventh grade. I don't. It's like a lot of bad stuff happening at school. But it's like you know, you're you're like a kid, and your mood swings all over the place, and everything's mm-hmm. the end of the world. Mm-hmm. And I just remember like coming home and like being really angry, and like we were all ready for to eat dinner and I like just like wouldn't come out of my room or whatever it was and then finally my mom like was like like hey what's up right and then I just started like complaining and I just said all these like all this stuff happened at school and I was hoping for like my mother to like embrace you love me yeah and she just says well you can't go around feeling sorry for yourself (laughs) that snap you out of it it's like ow like hugging a cactus <laughs> did was that did that snap you out of it or no um no it, <laughs> it it just hurt at the time but it was very good advice um and i appreciate it i listened to a podcast about this man who was a young boy i think it was 10 or something like that and uh his friends were playing with matches and stuff and so he's like oh, i think i want to do that so he uh put some gasoline in a can and lit a match and he burnt 90 90- eight percent of his body and uh and then after all they they can't believe that he survived and he was months in the hospital all that stuff he came home and he basically didn't have any hands because of this burn and so he's trying to eat with a fork and a plate and he kept on dropping things it took him forever and his sister tried to help and his mom said don't help him he's gonna have to learn how to eat and at the moment, he was like, oh, man, that was such, I can't believe my mom said that. And he said, but she, and she stayed at the table with me. She was going to be there to support me, but she knew I needed to do it on my own. And so I think that's such a, and he, now he looks back, he's, and now he, he speaks and he, and he encourages people to, yeah, to do what they can. And, and I, I think that's a lesson we all need to learn, right? So tough love. That's a, a good mom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. All right. Matt, tell us what you want to talk about. 
Yeah, so uh, I uh, very recently just read through the book of Nahum, the prophet, which I don't think I've ever read before. It's like one of those really short prophet books that kind of gets lost. Um, And so the entire book is a prophecy against the city of Nineveh, um, which is the city that is oppressing the kingdom of Israel at the time. Mm -hmm. And so the kingdom's... um, Israel is, they're forced to like pay tribute and to work for the Ninevites. And so the book comes and, um, you know, in the footnotes and things, it says that the, the book is addressed to the people of Israel, also addressed to Nineveh. And the whole book is a prophecy like God is going to wipe you out. Mm-hmm. So this is after, this is years after Jonah, 150 years after Jonah is there. So Jonah goes to Nineveh mm-hmm. the Ninevites repent well, 150 years later, they're back at it again. Mm-hmm. And so God says, I gave you a chance. I'm going to kill all of you, mm-hmm. basically. It's very harsh. Um, but the book is a comfort to Israel. Mm-hmm. Another interesting thing is that it's possible that it takes up to 50 years after this message is delivered for the judgment to actually happen, mm-hmm. which means that a lot of people listening died mm-hmm. before it happened. And not to mention that Israel is not the one destroying Nineveh. Nineveh is going to be destroyed by Babylon, who will eventually also come and capture Israel. Mm-hmm. So it's not like your life got a whole lot better. No. So I I just uh I just I it 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 really challenges you to think um that God would say hey, I know that you're suffering, but I am going to take away your suffering. Mm-hmm. You might die before that, <laughs> but I will. But there is final judgment. Yeah, you know, and that's the point of the book. Yeah. So, um, it, it was. It was. I think it was hard to read, partially because in this country at this time, mm-hmm. like we don't have all that many bullies, you know. Especially because I'm a white man, cha-ching. <laughs> I don't have any oppressors in life. Like, there's not much that's out coming to get me that I have to fight against. You right, Ben? Ben, ben is shaking his head. <laughs> oh. I'm just saying, I won the genetic lottery oh on my planet goodness. Earth. Oh no! Uh, this is a joke. He's he's joking. <laughs> just think, just to clarify, this yeah. is sarcasm at its finest. Um, <laughs> it is. I think you're right in the sense of we don't have a category. If you've never been under an oppressive regime Mm -hmm. or even an oppressive family member or an oppressive household culture, we don't see how God's justice can be good news. Yeah, right. Um, Nineveh is the capital of Assyria. So this is the Assyrian Empire. And the Assyrian Empire... Uh, were some of the most wicked and cruel people in the history. Of, I mean, they would they would put all the bodies up on stakes and pile them up um, as a way to show, like anyone who messes with us, this is what happens to you. And and so yeah, they were just ferocious. Uh, we, we see a lot of that in yeah when they were coming around surrounding uh, Hezekiah. So you know, it says it says in in this book. The Lord is good, a refuge in times of trouble. He cares for those who trust in him, but with an overwhelming flood, he will make an end to, of Nineveh. He will pursue his foes into the realm of darkness. So his goodness means that he's also just. And I, we've been thinking about that here as a Victory Family situation we're aware of where you know, when people harden their heart, so much that they have no room for a conscience, no room for repentance, but they have completely given themselves over to wickedness. Like God's justice is great news, is great news. So yeah, I think, um, well, and we might not see, you know, we might not always see it. Um, you know, a lot of times you say like, Lord, how long are you going to allow this to continue? You know, like, and, and you might, yeah, you might ultimately not live to see that justice take place. Yeah. So then people, you know, I think a lot of times then people feel 
the need to then kind of go all vigilante, you know, in yeah. essence, and, and mm-hmm. take care of the matter. If it's not, be, if they don't understand or have the the thought that this will eventually one day be taken care of, even right. if I don't live to see it, right? They start taking matters into their own hands. Um, yep. So I don't know. I've talked about him a lot. But Viktor Frankl said when when he's a, a Jewish psychologist in the Holocaust, and he would tell his fellow inmates, you know, even if we don't survive, if we act in a righteous way as our oppressors are hurting us, it will show the world how wicked they are. It'll amplify mm-hmm. their wickedness, mm-hmm. and, and it'll let the world know that this can never happen again. And so he just was able to still find meaning in mm-hmm. even being a survivor or a victim and how important that is. Um, so yeah, I, it's not a category that we're very comfortable with because I think, yeah, we've we've had so much relative peace or, and however that has happened. Um, but man, when, when you're a victim, this is a really good news, really good message. Right. Yeah. I think and uh, another thing, a, a point... Uh, that my sister made because she read the book too, um, you know, about the whole revenge aspect. Um, what she said was God, God is trying to make his point, not yours. Right. So God's worried about his holiness and his justice. And like in the book, it's not about revenge. Yeah. Because it's not like the Israel, the Israelites are getting the upper hand at the end. God just says, just trust me that sin is dealt with. All sin has a price. And if you can trust in God's justice, yeah, you don't have to be a vigilante. You don't have to take it in your own hands. Mm-hmm, it it mm-hmm. stops the ongoing nature of, oh, man, what was that movie? I mean, I've talked about this before. When when the Olympics were, was, was it in Moscow? And they some Jewish athletes were murdered by some Arabs. And so then the Jewish athletes, they are... Israel hired hitmen to retaliate, and then just was retaliating. It was never-ending mm-hmm. retaliation. Mm-hmm. The whole movie is one going back and forth, mm-hmm. and there was no end to it. And I think that was kind of the point. And that's what happens if you don't have God. If you don't have final justice, you it just there's no end to it. You, you just keep. Um, what's the rival in the in the Appalachians that that there was uh, the <laughs> McCoys and the. Oh, the Hatfields and the McCoys. McCoy, Hatfields and McCoys, yeah. right? Yeah, that was the ongoing feud. Yeah. And if you don't have that, so it is a strange book, but it, man, it, it, I think it can, it can be very comforting. And and, you know, today there's to me that's that's also then a big warning because I've heard, not um, maybe directly from people around me, but you know, you you see the messages, of course, and people post stuff about pro-choice. And then you get people, how dare you? This is against God's will. You're going to burn in hell for this. God will come after you. God will judge you. And that's revenge. That's vengeance to make you feel better. That's not, that's not justice. And it's, it's, I, I feel like it's not, you know, Christians will, will use that as sort of like a, uh, as a way to kind of feel like they still have the upper hand or like burning down the abortion clinics or that like that type of thing. It's like, that's not helpful. Right. That doesn't. And then on, on the other side, canceling, like we were talking about canceling Tony Dungy, you know, like we're all taking justice in our own hands instead of letting some of these things play out. And if it's wrong, then yeah, letting the government step in. Um, but feeling like you have to take the role of the government and, and, yeah. and, and create justice yourself. There was something else I was going to say, too. Oh, I I think also we have a hard time in our culture, and I think some of this is kind of the therapeutic culture. Right now we have this belief that all of our problems are just maybe mental health issues or all of our problems are just upbringing, that people are created basically good. And we have a really hard time to saying, no, that person has given themselves over to evil maybe hope for them someday to repent and change. But right now, they have no interest in changing. That is evil. 
And so they have to be stopped. They, there has to be justice. We can't, we can't talk about this anymore. You know, the old line, if you don't negotiate with terrorists, a terrorist is a terrorist. You don't negotiate with them. Um, and it seems like Nahum has no problem seeing not every Assyrian that way, but the Assyrian regime and what their goals were to just destroy anyone in their wake, yeah. in their path. So, um, yeah, I... I think we have to regain that category of evil in our culture to be able to see and then to to hand people over to the to the to justice to the right authorities to receive that but um yeah, yeah. well there is no absolute evil or good anymore correct so that's unfortunate yeah it's kind of hard to rally everyone around a cause when you're just sort of spouting opinions but correct. they managed to do it anyway yeah <laughs> but then then you turn to Unfortunately, sometimes because we think we can rehabilitate everybody in every situation and almost immediately it's just because of upbringing or their psychology or whatever, we forget the, the person who needs the most help and that's the victim. Yeah. And so that's what, I mean, Nahum's writing this as, a, as justice against the Assyrians and hope for the victim. And that's, that's when those lines get drawn and somebody has given themselves over to evil, you have to have very clear lines in your head to protect the victim with everything you got and to bring the the evil person to justice through the right means and then let uh let 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 justice be carried out correctly yeah not by yourself obviously mm-hmm. yeah yeah and again i think that was cuz for me I, I i just don't i don't think of myself as a victim of very much um but for me then the other takeaway point um is that it's it's not up to you to get revenge and and it's not even up to god to get revenge for you he's he's holy and he gets vengeance for himself but he's not getting revenge for you to make you um to kind of like give you the upper hand or to make you feel like you won out right no yeah i wouldn't think it'd be revenge but justice i mean if if you're a victim mm-hmm. and you've been wronged against uh you know, I'm just thinking of somebody who's abused or taken advantage of or mm-hmm. treated as a slave or or whatever or racism or any of those things. Mm-hmm. It's interesting how the book of Isaiah ends. Have you ever looked at this? I mean, this is, doesn't seem like your chicken soup for the soul way to end a book of the Bible. Um, but the book of Isaiah, the great prophet, ends in 66, the last line is, um, so there's a new heavens and new earth, so like talking about the resurrection, um, as the new heavens and new earth I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and, and descendants endure. From one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come down and bow down before you. So it's just this beautiful picture that forever and eternity in this renewed world, uh, they'll have bliss. And then it says, and they will go out and look on the dead bodies of those who rebelled against me. The worm that eat them will not die and the fire that burns them will not be quenched and they will be lonesome to all mankind. The end. The end. And we say, oh, that's kind of, but I don't know. I heard about someone coming to justice last night and I cried tears of joy uh, because there was so much wicked there. And there is, a, if, if you have given yourself over to complete evil, mm-hmm. Satan himself, there is a sense of things have been put right. Um, mm-hmm. And you, you pray the thousand things leading. And what, what I, the, the classic example of this, not Nahum, but, but Pharaoh, in, in the book of Exodus, that God sends 10 plagues. Are you sure you don't want to change your mind, Pharaoh? Are you sure you don't want to change your mind, Pharaoh? I mean, consequence after consequence after consequence, uh, opportunity after opportunity, and he continues to double down on his manipulation. And so for me, that's the classic example of God's he, he is long-suffering. He is slow to anger. He is great in his faithfulness and compassion. But he says then, 
if you're going to continue to fight, you still be will use be used for my glory. I will I will still be glorified through this, but your job as the villain is just to make the victim look good and make the hero look good. Um, you're just going to make Moses and the Israelites look good now. You're 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 going to receive justice. So, yeah, I would agree that it's not for me to get the upper hand, but but to have some vindication. Um, there, yeah. there's something there. Yeah, right. What do you think, Annie? Well, I think especially if, yeah, if the individual cannot or will not come to repentance in any sense, mm-hmm. cannot, will not hold him or herself accountable yeah. for anything. Yeah. I mean, how do you deal with that? How yeah. do you, how do you work with that? You can't. Right. With no conscience, you can't. How do you? Yeah. What do you do about it? You can't. That's Satan, right? And that, that's that's the picture of who Satan is. And and unfortunately, there are some people who have given themselves completely over to that. And that's that's real. I mean, we list off the big ones like Stalin and Hitler, but you know, there there are everyday examples, mm-hmm. unfortunately, that some people are just there and and they're not interested in talking or changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's Nahum. It's this, there's so many Psalms like that. So many of the prophets are like that. Uh, and we probably need to also, just like you need to regain a category for tolerance, you know, if somebody's not hurting somebody, I can tolerate you and I can accept you as a human being. Uh, we can have differences, but if somebody is in that category of being evil and wicked and intentionally trying to harm people, we also have to regain that category of a wicked person that needs to be stopped. Yeah. Yeah. So good topic. Mm-hmm. Good? All right. Hopefully that solves the world's world's problems. Again. Okay. (laughs) All right. One one podcast at a time. If you'd like to get a hold of us here at the Climbing Sycamores podcast, feel free to email bsadler at victoryofthelamb.com. B-S-A-D-L-E-R at victoryofthelamb.com. If you like today's intro music, it's been brought to you by Andrew Lynch's song, My Name, Hello.